In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. These words of the hymn that we just sang shape our understanding of this Sunday, the last Sunday of the church here. Each and every day that our Lord grants us here on this earth is but one day closer to his coming in glory. For the bridegroom will come and bring his bride, the church, into that wedding feast. We are called to live each and every day as though it could be our last and that the Lord could return at any moment. We are not to fall into slumber and the false security that we have all the time in the world for our Lord could return this very week, this very day, this very hour. In fact, he could come before this sermon is even over with. Nobody knows the day nor the hour when Christ will come again. And so in the church here, we have this last Sunday to be as our liturgical alarm clock, so to say, to wake us up, to make us alert and be ready for his coming. Our hymn continues. Midnight hears the welcome voices. Living a life of preparedness for his coming is not a life of fear, but a life of joyous expectation. Often the thought of our Lord's coming strikes fear into the hearts of many even Christians. You can hardly get on Facebook anymore without being met with someone posting about how this earthquake or that battle is a sign that our Lord is coming back soon. But our Lord tells us that nobody knows the day nor the hour. And so if Susie Q on Facebook thinks she knows, but our Lord says, you don't know, I think we can trust him over her. But why is it that there is so much fear amongst Christians for Christ's coming? While some of the blame could be cast on to some of those movies such as Left Behind or anything of that sort, I would venture to guess that a lot of the fear has to deal with the great unknown of when Christ is coming. In our everyday lives, we like to plan ahead. We like to know what's happening and when it's going to happen. And so the very fact that we don't know causes us great concern. But why is that? Why is it that not knowing when he comes strikes fear into us? Imagine for a moment that you drove up to John Wayne Airport to pick up your son. You know he's coming. He's texted you that he's landed and that he'll be there soon, but you don't know when he's going to round that corner. Your eyes are fixated down that hallway, being careful not to take your eyes off of it. Is that a time of fear and anxiety? Of course not. You're pacing back and forth. You're already smiling at the fact that you know he is coming. 
you can't contain that excitement. And so when he finally does come, it's a time of great joy, for you get to see him once again. This attitude is how we are to view the last day, for in fact we are in these latter days. Our Lord has said, he is coming, and so we are to wait with joyous expectation, hardly able to contain our excitement for his coming. But for so many, it does strike fear. Even though we know he's coming, it's a day of great excitement and joy. Why is there still some of that fear? After all, first, the Lord has come. He has redeemed you and he has washed you clean. And so his coming isn't a day of dread, but a day of joy. For he has loved you enough to take on human flesh, to bear your sins. And so why should you fear the coming of the one who so loved you that he redeemed you? And second, it's not as though his coming to us is anything new. For each and every time that we gather here at this altar, the same Lord who will come on the last day comes in his body, and in his blood, given and shed for your forgiveness. And third, when he returns, he will make all things new. If our Lord returns before we die, then thanks be to God that he saved us from countless sufferings in this life. But if he doesn't return until after we die, then thanks be to God that he will raise us, he will join our souls and our bodies once more, and that our bodies will be free from illness, anxiety, aches, and pains. This joyous expectation for such a day is impossible for us to even begin to comprehend, for we can't imagine a world or a life or a body that is free from sin, illness, and pain. Our hymn continues. And at the thrilling cry rejoices, O where are ye, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom comes awake, your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia. Ye virgins wise. The parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 is a parable of the visible church here on earth. Ten virgins, the number of completeness, shows the entirety of the church here on this earth. Of those ten, though, five are wise and five foolish. Morai, or morons, is where we get that from. And they wait, and what awaits those foolish virgins? When they come knocking, after they don't have any oil in their lamps, and they come back and they come knocking, what does the Lord say to them? Truly I say to you, I do not know you. 
the thing that distinguishes the wise and the foolish virgins is their preparedness. And that preparedness shows itself in either having oil or lacking it. Now, many pastors and theologians will spend a lot of ink trying to point out what the oil represents. But the meaning and the thrust of what Christ is saying is quite clear. Be prepared. Simple as that. The hymn continues. With bridal care, yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. The parable of the ten virgins is one of great comfort, but is also a parable of great warning. For those who are unprepared will be met with the words, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. We don't know when the Lord is coming. It's not as though when Christ comes again in glory, we'll have a few days to get our ducks in a row. You must be prepared. You cannot get prepared when you see him coming in glory. And so our Lord is calling us to be prepared at all times. And what does a life of preparedness look like? First and foremost, a life of repentance. He's calling you to repent and to be ready for his coming. If there are sins that burden your conscience, sins that you have not repented of, repent and receive those blessed words of his absolution that he gives to you. And second, as you live lives of preparedness, do not become distracted and fall into the false security that you have all the time in the world, as those five foolish virgins did. Our Lord is coming. He has sounded the alarm clock, and so we are to be prepared. Just as you would not take your eyes off that hallway when you wait for your son's coming, do not take your eyes off of Christ. Do not become distracted by the cares of this world and become unprepared for his coming. If you have fallen out of the habit of coming to church each and every Sunday, return. Wake, awake, for night is flying. Come to his house and receive his gifts. Our hymn continues by giving us imagery of what that last day will be like. Zion hears the watchmen singing, and all their heart with joy is springing. She wakes, she rises from her gloom. For her Lord comes down all glorious, the strong in grace, in truth victorious. Her star is risen, her light is come. Now come, thou blessed one, Lord Jesus, God's own Son, hail Hosanna. We enter all the wedding hall to eat the supper at thy call. As all the ten virgins slept, so too will we all sleep the sleep of death if our Lord does not come back before then. But just as those virgins were risen from their sleep, 
so too will our death be but a sleep. For when he comes, he will raise us, he will join our bodies and our souls once more, and he will bring us into that wedding feast. And the door will be shut. And the door being shut is to the great despair for those five foolish virgins who are left out of the feast. But for the five wise ones, for you, the door being shut is a great promise and a great joy. For the darkness of the midnight world outside will not be able to enter that wedding feast. The light has come, and his light fills that banquet with the radiance of his glory. No evil will enter in. It will be a time of feast and joy. And for that, we await. Now let all the heavens adore thee. Let saints and angels sing before thee with harp and cymbals clearest tone. Of one pearl, each shining portal, where joining with the choir immortal, we gather round thy radiant throne. No eye has seen the light, no ear has heard the might of thy glory. Therefore will we eternally sing hymns of praise and joy to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.